You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Ba'ezra Hashem, we're going to be continuing our series of Shirim on the light of the Zohar after a few weeks hiatus because of the Amim Tovim. And tonight, Ba'ezra Hashem, we're going to continue moving ever so slightly forward and trying to understand the framework in which the world of the Zohar takes place. Because again, we're not talking about the teachings of the Zohar yet. But what we're talking about is the framing of the Zohar, the mood that the Zohar itself elicits, the literary space in which the heroes of the Zohar, the Tanaim HaKadoshim, as well as the readers of the Zohar, those of us who find strength in the Zohar, those of us who find strength in Rashbi, where we find ourselves as well as the text in front of us becomes a landscape, a dreamscape of sorts. Now, Again, to reiterate a point that we made in a previous year, this week, this past week's Parsha, Parshas Nayach, is very much makusher, very much connected to the secret of the Zohar, because as we saw in the name of the Ramchal, in Adir Bamarom, in his parish on the Idri Rabba, the Ramchal takes a few pages to describe to us how in truth, the Sefer HaZohar is in fact a new iteration in our generation of Tevas Noach because Tevas Noach was a space of safety that was carved out into the place of disaster and destruction. Noach and his children, Noach and the animals were not removed from the flood as if the flood did not exist, but rather they stayed very present within the heart of the flood, but they somehow managed to find protection amidst the storm, amidst the waters themselves. So too with regards to the Giloi of the Zohar itself. The Zohar is not a book that casts away darkness. The Zohar is not a book that denies darkness, but rather the Zohar is built upon the backdrop of darkness. That the enlightened ones will shine in the glimmer of the sky, like the luminescence of the night and the night sky for something to shine at night, for the stars to glimmer. As we spent our time looking for those stars through the sukkah, you need the backdrop of darkness. And the same is true with regards to the light of the Zohar. The light of the Zohar does not dispel the floodwaters that are raging and covering us over, but rather the Zohar illuminates the floodwaters themselves, teaching us how to find calm within the storm itself. Ramchal also compares it to an ir miklat, where somebody who is chayev benafsham, somebody who has transgressed in such a way that they can't find any rest, where they're running and returning, being chased internally, externally, what a person uncovers is an ir miklat. 
And as we described in the name of the tzaddikim, an ir miklat is not the cessation of guilt. It's not the cessation of the shame that chases after a person as a result of their transgressions, but rather it's a space carved in to nothingness. It's a makom that's not really a makom, but it's an impossible space that provides a certain refuge for a moment, even as the storm clouds are raging, even as the chase is continuing on the outside. So as we continue from the Pashyas of Noah, we reinvigorate ourselves to enter deeply into the safety that the Zohar provides. At a certain point, it's not so much about learning the Zohar because learning the Zohar is a good thing to do and because we're promised that by learning the Zohar will bring about Geula. There's a certain point in history, at least on an individual level, where it stops even being a question. A person can't survive without the Zohar. A person can't survive without these books of safety that provide refuge in the midst of the storm or whatever is going on in a person's life. And so we find ourselves looking deeper into the Zohar, finding warmth by its flames. And this week, what we're going to do is we're going to encounter the heroes of the Zohar. Now, the first year we encountered Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the light of Rashbi, that or mufla Raimala, that remarkable, profoundly ascendant, wondrous light, wondrous mufla, pela, pela elyon, the word pela or mafli lasos is always representative of the point of connection between two oppositional postulates at once. Now, it's not simply A and B, which are in opposition to each other. A makes room for B and B makes room for A. That is settling an argument. That is settling in a dialectical sway, making room for a confrontation. What the Zohar HaKadosh is providing us with is a space of sustained paradox. It's a place of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's light, and the darkness that we encounter. And it's our job to meet those who helped Rabbi Shimon along the way. And the people that we're going to meet are the Chavraya Kadisha. The entirety of the Zohar is Rabbi Shimon and his Chaverim. There is no Rabbi Shimon without his Chaverim, and there are no Chaverim without Rabbi Shimon. The Tanayim who make up the space of the Zohar's teachings, who encounter one another in the depths of night or wandering upon the road in moments of silence and in moments of tears and in moments of jovility and laughter, as we're going to encounter throughout all of the classes, the Chavraya Kadisha, the fraternity, the mystical group of Tanayim who gathered together to work with Rashbi together, they were the ones who uncovered the secrets of the Torah. There really is no Torah as a soliloquy in the writings of the Zohar. It's always initiated through conversation. Once conversation begins, yes, there is an individual, a particular speaker from amongst the Chavraya of the Tanayim HaKadoshim, of that Chabura Kadisha, who choose to speak and they spend their time speaking and the Chavrayim are silent when the other person is speaking. But other than Rashbi, who's in charge, who's the Butsina Dinahayru, who's the pillar upon which the entire world of the Zohar stands, as we learn Tzadik Yisoyed Oilam, or like Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says, that Min that I have the capacity to redeem the world from its judgment, or like Chazal tell us, that Rabbi Shimon is willing to carry us upon his shoulders, specifically in a time of com compression and difficulty. Rabbi Shimon is willing to take on that singular role, but the Chaverim are always acting in unison. They're always a group that's working together. And this Chavership, this Chavraya, this fraternity, this love and attachment that one friend had for the other in the light of their Rebbe, in the light of the Torah that was being uncovered, is not simply 
a symptom of the Zohar, as if historically it just so happened that the teachings of the Zohar were revealed through a chabura of ten tanayim with their Rebbe, Rebbe Shimon, but rather it is constitutive of the very element of the Zohar, that the Zohar on a certain level is a book of friendship. It's coming to teach us about what it means to reach out beyond our howling solitude of isolation and solipsistic existence where all we are is what exists within our mind and to reach out beyond ourselves, to cross that void that separates one person from the other in the hopes of developing some real authentic vulnerable connectivity which is ultimately the point of what it means to be a human being, to move from self-centeredness and to open oneself up towards the needs of others, to open oneself up to the possibility of the other having something to teach me. Now, this light of friendship, this light of the Chabura Kadisha, of the Holy Chavraya of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the one Nakuda that I want to try and focus on tonight is going to be a teaching that is given over in the Idra now, we've learned in numerous places, or we've spoken about how while the Zohar itself and all of the books and the teachings that are ascribed to each of the parshios, once it's been compiled, there are still going to be essential sections of the Zohar that take on more of a significance than some of the other teachings, not in terms of the spiritual potency of those teachings, but rather with regards to the fundamental and foundational elements that are given over especially when it comes to the next iteration of Torah Sasoid, which is the Arizal. The Arizal famously focused on particular elements of the Zohar in order to uncover the hidden secrets that were hidden and hidden away from the mind's eye from the six days of creation. The Arizal didn't gain it from every part of the Zohar. The Arizal focused on particular elements of the Zohar, specifically the Ijarabah, the Great Gathering, the Idrizuta, the Smaller Gathering, which was the day of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's Petira, the Tafer Ditzniusa, which was basically the Mishnah or the bare text which gave birth to the Idrizuta and the Idrizuta. There's something called the Idra de Mishkana. There's the Saba de Mishpatim and the Parshas Mishpatim, as well as the Tikkun Zohar. Those were the teachings that are that the Arizal based himself on the most. And in the Idrizuta, there's a famous teaching with regards to Rabbi Shimon and his Chavraya, because in the Idra Rabbah, Idra means a granary of some sort. It's a circular outside space where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his Chavraya, after walking along the roads of Northern Eretz Yisrael, they found the nice space for themselves to sit outside. And the Tanoim and the Chavraya began to darshan the secrets of the Panim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kavyachol, the face of Hashem, basically giving us a basic understanding of how we could encounter HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives and in the world and history and all of the metaphors that we utilize in order to describe to ourselves our lower human conception of what the divine means, of how we relate to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through our own flesh, through our own human experience and our phenomenological livedness within this worldliness. And all of the Tanaim gather together and in the Idra Rabbah, in one of the most beautiful displays of the love and friendship between the Chavraya, Rabbi Shimon calls upon each one of the Chaverim, each one of the Tanaim, each one of the Chavraya Kadisha to darshan something different, to darshan a different Tikkun, almost as if the Tikkunim, the rectifications and the ideas and the secrets upon which the world stands could not be revealed unless each and every one of the chaverim, each and every person was there. Because while they represented a group, it was a group that was greater than the sum total of its parts. 
but each and every part, each and every individual in the chavra, each and every person in that chavraya, all of the friends offered something unique that would be missing without their participation. A, a very deep secret when it comes to understanding the role of a chavra in one's life, to understand the absolute necessity of each and every individual and to realize and to truly feel that if this person was missing in my life, then there would be something essential missing in my life. The chavraya expressed to Rabbi Shimon a certain trepidation before revealing secrets. Woe to me if I reveal these secrets. Woe to me if I do not reveal these secrets. And we're already skipping something that would take us years to discuss, which is the introduction to the Ijaraba, which Bezra Sasham one day we'll get to talk about. But in response to the Chavraya's trepidation, in response to the fear that they had about revealing the secrets of Torah that stand at the apex of all of existence, Rabbi Shimon says as follows to the Chavraya. <clears throat> Rabbi Shimon says, Chadi Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon smiled. Rabbi Shimon smiled. And again, what it's a smile. To understand what a smile is, is to understand the ikr chilek of the Zohar, because the Zohar talks about the smiles of the tzaddikim all the time. And Bezrus Hashem will discuss it. But Chadi Rabbi Shem, Rabbi Shimon smiles and he laughs. The Amar. And he darshans the Pasuk in Chabakuk. Hashem shamati shemecha yiresi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I have heard your voice, I have truly heard it, and I was afraid. Hasam yeyuz havi dachil. Rabbi Shimon says, over there by Chabakuk, it was appropriate for him to be afraid. It was appropriate for him to recoil at the point of hearing HaKadosh Baruch Hu's voice because of a fear of unworthiness, because of a fear and a trepidation over encountering the mystery or encountering the secret. Over there by Chabakuk, it was appropriate to be afraid. But by us, when it comes to us and Achavraya, Rabbi Shimon says, Anan bechavivusa talya milsa. By us, the matter is dependent on love and connection, as the Pasuk writes in Devarim, that you should come to love Hashem your God. And the next Pasuk writes, that Hashem loves you. In Malachi, one of the most beautiful nevuos to come out of the nevuos that are offered over to Kalah Yisrael, Hashem. Hashem says to the Jewish people, I love you. And our immediate reaction, one of the more tragic and prophetic elements of what it would mean to be a Jew in 2021, when we're told by a Kaddish Baruch Hu that he loves us, our immediate reaction is not thank you, it's not I know, but rather it's a question, why do you love me? What have I done for you, Hashem, that you should love me? Am I not exactly like the rest of the world? Have I not failed in my mission? Have I not failed to live up to the love that you offer me? And HaKadosh Baruch Hu responds beyond our self-doubt. And he says, Yaakov Ahavti ve'esav sanisi, it's a choyk, it's a choyk. I love you because I love you, as we're going to see in this week's Parshios, as the Maharal explains. Avram was chosen based on absolutely nothing other than the inherent love, the undying love that Ahavas Oilam, that emerged from the depth of the Jewish soul in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's that love that Rabbi Shimon says is what the secrets of the Zohar are dependent upon. 
Anan For us, the matter is dependent on love. And we're going to see that the rayos and the psukim that Rabbi Shimon brings down in order to prove as a proof text that the matter is dependent upon the love of the Chavraya Kadisha between one person and the other, between one and their fellow, between the self and the other, it's rooted in the love that we have for God and the love that God has for us, so to speak. So the love is not simply some emotion, but rather it's an ontology that when I love the other, when I encounter true friendship and a real pagisha with a chavraya kadisha, I'm not simply being makayim amida tova ben adam lechavero, but I'm also encountering the depths of what it means to be makayim the mitzvahs of ben adam lemakom, that the love that I have for another person is not simply some social or political element to enable intercommunication and friendship and community building, but rather love for the fellow and compassion for the other and empathy and sensitivity to what it means to be a friend with another person in the world. If a person is to find a chaver in this world, it's not simply a social or psychological element, but rather it touches the very core of what it means to be a human being in the service of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we're going to see Be'ezrus Hashem. Now, this love, this, this intense love that we find by the chavraya is overwhelming. The love of the Zohar, it, it's filled with pathos. It's filled with a love that's not just a love that I like the other person, I'm connected to the other person, but it's a love that is so strong that the separation of that love feels almost as strong as death. Because as we've spoken about so often based on the Pasuk and Shir Hashirim in the sixth parak, that Ahava Aza Kamavas, that love is as strong as death. What does it mean? when Shlomo HaMelech tells us that love is as strong as death, that Ahava Aza Kamavas, what it means perhaps is that if a person wants to understand the secret of relationship, if a person wants to understand what it truly means to love another person in this world, to be with another person in this world, to face this world with another person, with a friend, with someone who feels familiar, with someone who reduces the intensity of being in this world, who reduces the sense of isolation and aloneness that we all have at our hearts of hearts, as Rav Soloveitchik points out so beautifully in the beginning of Lonely Man of Faith. What it truly means to love another, what it truly means to connect like the love of David and Yehoinasan is to feel as if without this person in my life, without this hiskashrus, without this line of communication open in front of me at the moment I so choose, it's as intense as a death of sorts. If I want to know what love truly is, I have to understand what it would feel like for that love to dissipate. And if in the moment that I contemplate the loss of that relationship, I feel the pangs of death, I feel the pangs of loss, I feel the pangs of having nobody, no friend to share my secrets with in the world, then a person has truly understood the secret of love. In that moment, when I come to realize that in this moment, all I can do is love the other. In this moment, all I can do is try and reach out beyond the void of the self to connect in spite of whatever comes the next moment. That is when a person encounters ahava she'ena t'liyabadavar, a love that is not dependent on any words even. Diburim is the language of language, but there's a love that precedes language and it exceeds language. And that's the love of a friendship. That's the love of connection where 
I don't have to speak to that person, to those chaverim of mine, in order to feel deeply connected with them as if they were part of my neshama and I part of theirs. But it's a love that transcends Dibor. It's a relationship that evades being captured by words themselves to speak about this love, to speak about this type of connection, to speak about the comfort that a person can have sometimes in their own most difficulty when they remember that there's another person out there in the world who knows me. There's another person out there in the world who loves me. When I come to realize that, there's a major, major nechama, and it demands an intensity. And this gives birth also to one of the reasons why the Zohar is so dependent on love. Why is it that Anan Bachavibusa Talya Milsa? Is there something inherent to the nature of love, or is it just something that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai revealed to us? It's a question that really doesn't make much of a difference, but it deserves attention. And one of the ways that we can begin to understand why it's specifically Rabbi Shimon who teaches us that Anan Bachavibusa Talya Milsa, that at the end of the day, the matter is dependent on love. One of the reasons might be because Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was a student of none other than Rabbi Akiva. And we've always quoted or already quoted in the name of the Rebbe, Rabbi Yitzhak Maya Morgenstern Shlita, based on different girsaos, that Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was one of the 24,000 students of Rabbi, Shimon Bar, uh, of Rabbi Akiva prior to the plague. And Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was also one of the five new students of Rabbi Akiva after the plague. And while most of the Tamidim of Rabbi Akiva passed away as a result of that they didn't properly understand the secret of relationship, that they weren't honoring their friends properly, that they didn't make room for the other, they didn't sense the kvedut, the presence or the heaviness that another person represents in this world. But it was specifically Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai who learned from the mistake of those 24,000 students who were who came out of that disaster and learned the secret of friendship. And there's an incredible teaching, an incredible teaching from the Avoidus Yisrael, who is Kulo incredible teachings. But this is in Parshas Bahar, and the Avoidus Yisrael says as follows when discussing Rabbi Shimon and his Tamidim and the 24,000 Tamidim who died. Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says as follows, uh, the Kajnitzer Magid says as follows. The Pasuk writes, Kiss me with the kisses of your mouth, for your love is sweeter than wine. That we know that the Tamidim of Rabbi Akiva, the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva passed away because they didn't show honor to one another. And this is the aspect of Kad Hanikra Igul Bishas. And the language of Kad, which represents 24, implies a barrel of sorts or a bucket of sorts, a circularity, as described in Chazal. Why? Because one of the problems between the Chavraya of Rabbi Akiva was that they lived as if they were in a circle. Each person was unwilling to recognize their need for the other person. Because in a circle, each and every person has the ability to point to the center and say, I am equidistant from the center as the person right next to me, so what do I need to learn from them? 
And therefore, they were not noyeh kavod zelazeh because nobody felt that the other person had anything to offer them. They felt that I have everything I need, which the Kashan Asramagid points out was an aspect of Shvira Sakhalim, the shattering of the vessels, which we're going to see was based on the inability of one Svira to share with another Svira. Each and every level felt that it was fully content within itself, no need to give over or reach above themselves. And it was that solipsistic self-sufficiency and removal from the other that gave birth to this cataclysm of the shattering of the vessels. And that's what the Kajanitzer Magad is pointing out, that the inability to see that I need the other as much as the other needs me is what gives birth to Shvira Sakhalin. And even though the Arizal wrote that all of these students of Rabbi Akiva came from such a lofty place, nevertheless, we understand that even Shavira Sakelim came from a lofty place. It wasn't a cataclysm or a trauma without purpose, but rather it was a trauma for a purpose. And here the Kajna Tzermagid goes on. And he says, Ad Shehimid Oisan Rashbi the tikkun of Rabbi Akiva and his students who passed away as a result of not showing honor to one another, not understanding the secret of friendship, was fixed or rectified through the light of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his friends. Because in truth, it was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and the Chavraya who elevated one another, who fixed the pegam of not knowing what friendship is and elevated friendship back up to its rightful place. The Kajanat continues and he says, like the Zohar HaKadosh says in the Ijaraba, Anan Milsa, by us the matter is dependent on love. So they were rectifying that pegam of not knowing how to be friendly with the other person, of not knowing what a true friend means. And they elevated them out of their deficiency and their failure. How? Through the secret of tov, of seeing good in the other person. Uh, but now the Kajanitzer Magid asks a very good question. You're telling me on the one hand that it was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his friends who rectified the secret of of not understanding the secret of friendship by the secret of Anan B'chavivusa Talia Milsa. But on the other hand, we know from the Arizal, but we know that the Neshamos of these 10 Chavraya, the Chavraya of Rabbi Shimon, this fraternity of Rabbi Shimon, they were rooted in severity. They weren't rooted in love, which is associated with the Chesed of Avram, which is a flowing forth beyond the self in the hopes of connecting to the other, but rather they were rooted in the Hiskavsus of Yitzchak, the Gvur of Yitzchak, which seeks isolation and separation. So on the one hand, you're telling me that Rabbi Shimon and his Chavraya were the secret of the rectification of love between one and the other in the secret of friendship, but on the other hand, we know that they were rooted in a deep intensification. They were rooted in Gvuros and limitation. And listen to the words of the Kashanitzer Magid here. The Kashanitzer Magid says as follows Kainhu, that's the truth. It's not a stira. On the one hand, they taught us about friendship. On the other hand, they were rooted in severity. Why? Because in order to cultivate the secret of love and friendship, it has to be through the level of intensity. It has to be through the awareness that I cannot allow anything to separate this friendship. When a person reaches that place, when a person reaches that sense that I can't survive without the other, 
that I am not a whole person and it's only through reaching out to the other and sharing myself and not only sharing myself, but hearing what the other has to say that I can understand the secret of that two are better than one. Because what I learn from a friend is not something that is not part of me, but my friend reveals within me something that was hitherto concealed that could only have been revealed by way of that friendship. That his chabrus and a connectivity and a chabura and a chavraya and the chavra that a person has in this world is not simply that I hear what the other person has to say, but it's a reciprocal relationship. I share with the other parts of themselves that they were unaware of, and the other shares with me parts of myself that I was unaware of. And in that sense, a chavra tov is the greatest thing that a person can have in this world. Now, one of the elements of the entire Zayar Akadosh is to teach this aspect of love, is to teach the secret of connectivity. When a person looks at Chitzonia Satoru, when a person looks at Niglo Satoru, whether it be Shas or Halacha, the primary mode of understanding and the hermeneutical truth that rests at the core of all thinking is distinction is understanding what separates one thing from the other. This is one din, that's another din. So the halachos that apply to this din are not the halachos that apply to that din. Ah, we have a stira with regards to how to understand something. It's an element of tzvedinim, it's tudinim. It's making a clear distinction between one thing and the other in spite of the fact that they appear similar on the outside. That's the mayach, that's the mindset of niglo satora, to see that which looks similar and to separate them to understand their truth. Panemia satora, however, is almost the opposite. In panemia satora, especially when a person learns the Zohar, what you see is a grafting together of ideas that are seemingly disparate from one another. The chavraya take one pasuk with absolutely no association with what has been discussed until now, and they reveal how it's deeply connected and basically saying the same thing as a previous pasuk. So if niglos HaTorah are coming to reveal the separation that rests at the heart of similarity, Zayar HaKadosh and the chavraya Kadisha are coming to reveal the similarity that rests at the heart of separation. There's no arguments in the Zohar. It's just you say one thing, I say another thing, and it becomes like a jazz interlude, as some theorists of the Zohar Kadosh pointed out, that the warring voices and the jam or the improvisational attitude of the Chabraya to one another, you say one thing, I say another thing, and there's never fear that our things are kind of fighting against each other, but rather they'll join together to reveal a sum total that is greater than the sum of its parts, because the driving force behind the Zohar HaKadosh is Ahava. The driving force is seeking connection between that which appears to be disparate, to reveal how everything in the world is basically saying the same exact thing, which is declaring the undying love for other people, for the Torah, and for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says on his deathbed, B'chad Ketira Ektaria, I've spent my entire life trying to do one single thing, which is connect to you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. How is that possible? Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai says thousands and thousands of different things in the Zohar. So how could Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai say on his deathbed that all I tried to do was one thing? Perhaps the secret is that the Zohar is coming to teach us how infinite manifestations of difference can in truth be shown to be part and parcel of the same undying drive. Now, aside from being a book of teachings, the Zohar HaKadosh, as we've spoken about in the past, was a revelation. It was a hofa'ah. It was a historic 
investment of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's light in this world, not only for a scholastic purpose of Torah learning, but rather for a deep ontological purpose of fixing the world, of elevating it out of its state of brokenness. Now, one of the elements that I were described to describe the state of brokenness that the world found itself in was Shvira Sakelim, was the Oilam Hatohu. Now, the Leshem Chabad already in Sefer Hadeya, which is rooted in Drushe Oilam Hatohu, he points out that there's at least 12 or 13 reasons that the Arizal gives for Shvira Sakelim. And in truth, all of those different reasons are rooted in the same idea, which is that there was no connectivity between one sphere and the other. That when HaKadosh Baruch Hu disclosed this infinite light, it wasn't 10 elements of kalim or receptacles that could receive that light and balance it out with checks and balances between one another to create the mitkala, to create some sense of balance and reciprocity, but rather each and every sphere, each and every or, when it received the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it felt that it could handle it all on its own. Ana emloch, I am going to be the king as the Magid of Mezrich and the Bali Hasidus, the Tamidim of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, describe the aspect of Shvira Sakelim. It was that I am enough on my own. I don't need anybody else. I don't have to share myself. I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I have no need for friendship. Friendship causes pain. It's laughing and it's lover. I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. And that was the or. That was what happened in Oilam Atohu. There's an incredible teaching that's brought down in the Arizal, brought down in the Eitz Chaim, in Shar Hanikudim, which is Shar Dalid, which is a Haga'a. It's an additional note brought down in the Mahadura Kama from somebody named Rav Aharon Halevi, who was one of the early Talmidim of the Arizal. And this statement, I believe, rests at the core of what we try and do when we're trying to understand the secret of Anan Bechavivusa Talia Milsa, that for us the matter is dependent on love and connectivity. That Rav Aharon Halevi says as follows, Koidem Hatikun, prior to the rectification of all worlds, lo haya ahava biyud sviros, rak yira. There was no love between the different receptacles and vessels that revealed HaKadosh Baruch Hu's light in the world, but rather there was fear, there was trepidation, there was an anxiety of the other. There was a recoil in the face of the world of the other person because why would I want to share myself or receive from that other person when I'm enough in myself? Each and every one was afraid of the other. Ketzad, how was this, for example? Chachma was afraid to ascend to that which is above it, which was Keser. And it was also afraid of descending down low to that which was beneath it, which is Bina. And so what Rav Aaron Halevi is pointing out in a profound way is that the Iker Pegam of Oilam Mahashvira, where there's a brokenness and there's a fragmentation, it was the lack of love. There was no understanding that I need the other in my life. I need my friends. I can't survive without my friends. I can't survive without the knowledge that I can go to my friends at the end of the day and share what's on my heart. And it's not even about doing it. It's not even about talking to the friend. It's about knowing that I have that friend. The awareness that there is another person in the world who is willing to think about me, to care about me, to listen to me. That's the secret of his chabras. That's the secret of chavivusa, to know that I'm loved in this world, to know that I have a connectivity with another person in this world. That was the pegam of Oilam HaTohu. The Zohar HaKadosh, as the Atar of Zidichov and the Kamarna Tzadikim point out, is Oilam HaTikun. 
the Zohar is coming to fix that Pagam. The Zohar HaKadosh is coming to teach us that what, as the Atarasvi says in Parshas Bereshis, he says as follows, the Kfar Harachti Bazeb Makum Acher, and I've already spent time explaining this elsewhere, the Hutachlis Tikun HaOlamos, and this is the essential rectification of all worlds, the love and the compassion and the friendship between other people who are osik in this worldliness, who are spending time in this world, the chaverim hakadoshim haheim behiluchim bederach kodesh, those holy friends who walk upon the path of life singularly together, separate but together, lonely with the awareness that I can always reach out to the other person if I so need. It was this love that gave birth to the light of the Zohar HaKadosh. Now, we're going to talk about one more point that reveals where this love comes from. And then we're going to move a little bit deeper into what it practically means for us as we try and understand what the Zohar HaKadosh could teach us nowadays. The Balatanya reveals a very deep truth in the 32nd parak in the Lev HaTanya. And the tzaddikim point out that the reason that it's the Lev HaTanya is because it reaches the deepest point of what the Tanya is trying to teach us. And it's based again on what the Arizal says that before a person davens, what they have to do is be makayim upon themselves, the mitzvah of the l'reacha that I love each and every other person as if they were myself, that I recognize my own deficiencies and the need for another to help me, just as I assume the other person's deficiencies and their need for me to help them. It's the mutual reliance upon one another. By encountering and accomplishing these things, when a person looks at their body and ignores their body and is on a certain level disgusted by their body, all of their joy, that the truest joy in the world is not going to be what makes me distinct, but rather the thing that I share with other people, my connectivity with other people, my similarity, which is the joy of the soul. That by ignoring the body and truly looking at the neshama itself, that's the easiest way to come to love my fellow person from above me or below me. Because once I come to recognize that the body is nothing other than a concealing agent and that it's in truth the soul and the spirit which is moving within me, who knows how lofty that person in front of me is? And we see this in the Zohar, the strangers carry secrets. The ugly people are the ones who carry the thing that's most beautiful. The thing that forces us to grimace naturally according to our own shtuyot of our social engagements, which is gradations of hierarchies of better or worse, is revealed in the Zohar that the thing that looks ugliest to me is in truth going to be what reveals the most to me. Because when I'm no longer looking at the separation of the outside and I'm truly looking at the secret of the inside, it's at that point that I come to love another person. Because in truth, all of us share one origin and we have one father and it's for this reason that all of Klai Yisrael is referred to as siblings 
that when I look at things from the perspective of the neshama, when I look at things from the perspective of the inside, when I allow the outside to split open and melt and fall apart, and I allow myself to encounter the vulnerability of the inside for but a moment, I come to realize that I am far more similar with the people in my life than I am different. And it's at that point that that similarity is revealed that I learn to love the other person. The Piyazatz Nareba Hashem Yim Komdomo, whose yard site was yesterday, writes as follows in Seder Toichen HaChevra in the Sefer B'nei Machshavatova. He writes as follows, with regards to cultivating this fraternity very much in the model of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and his Chaverim, very much like the Ramak and his Chaverim did, very much like the Arizal and his Chaverim, and the Rashash and his Chaverim, and the Baal Shem Tov and his Chaverim, and the Vilna Gon and his Chaverim, and all of the Tzadikim, the Ramchal and his Chaverim, all of the Tzadikim had their Chaverim, like Yehuda and his friend, our friendship, our connectivity with one another is not for social or political purposes. Whether it's a direct thing or an indirect thing. Why? Because our fraternal desire is to take a step beyond this world and to transcend this world. It's time, it's difficulty, it's hatred, and it's noise. And therefore our chevra is not a chevra that's looking to appoint one person on top of the other or to reveal who's more important. Why? Because the essential foundation of our friendship is the paradoxical union between shiflus, which is the belittlement of the self, the hisraimimus, which is the elevation of the self. Shiflus etzem haguf, the negation and the despising of the body itself. And the ascendancy and the elevation of the self in relationship to the soul. And in a place of the revelation of holiness, in Makum Lakibudim Ula Shraros. There's no room for honorifics and there's no room for the hierarchical pattern in which we tend to look at relationships. Anan Milsa. The matter is dependent on love. But what happens when love is lost? What happens when love falls away? And the Chavraya Kadisha were aware of this. They were aware of the vulnerability of their love. They were aware of the fact that it's difficult for an individual in this world to truly open themselves up to the other, to be vulnerable enough to make room for another person and to realize that without my friends, I'm nothing. Without my chavraya, I can't move forward. Again, even if I'm not reaching out to them, but the very basic reality of having other people in the world who care about you. The chavraya were aware of this. The chavraya were aware of the vulnerability and the transiency of the bonds and the connections that they were setting up for one another. In one of what I feel is one of the most beautiful teachings in the Zohar HaKadosh and in Lakut Maharan, Rabbi Nachman writes as follows in the 126th teaching of Lakut Maharan. A number of places in the Zohar HaKadosh when the Chavraya were praising Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the Lashon of the Zohar is, Woe to the generation in which Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai passes away. But the point that Rabbi Nachman is making is he's still alive. Why are you, why are you already mourning his departure, mourning the fact that he's going to leave when he's right in front of you? And this is the aspect of Shabbos Vayinofash, Kevin Shabbos Vayavdenefesh. Hainu Shemachmas Goydel Atainu Kshalanefesh Yisei 
That it's the secret of what we learned about when we speak about Shabbos, that Chazal want to know how do we know that we get an extra soul on Shabbos by dint of the fact that when Shabbos ends, we know we're going to leave the souls, so we're going to lose our additional soul. So already prior to Shabbos beginning, we're already stuck in a stage of anticipatory mourning over the fact that what we gain on Shabbos is not going to last forever. This anticipatory grief over losing something that we feel we absolutely need is the same exact thing that's taking place with the Chevra and the Rebbe. As a result of the profound wonders and pleasures that this Chevra received from their teacher, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, immediately when they were together, they began mourning because they knew that they wouldn't be together at all times. And it emerged in their mind the pain over the separation that they would take from one another. And the secret is that it didn't prevent them from loving one another, but it forced them to enter even deeper into the moment of connectivity. Because if I know that the moment is going to end, then I also know that all I have in front of myself in this moment and the awareness of the death of love is also the birthplace of self-abandonment in the face of that relationship in that moment, of annan b'chavivusa talyamilsa, that for us the matter depends only and strictly on love. So what happens when love falls away? What happens when ahava dies? How does one cultivate the connectivity and the hischabrus and the chavrayaship when there's a loss of love, when there's anger, when tikkun falls back into the klipa of tohu, when order falls back and dies into chaos. So there's a teaching, a profound teaching, a beautiful teaching from the Vashem Tov HaKadosh brought down by the Magad of Mezrich, which is brought down by the Balatanya and made into an edifice of an idea in the writings of Gur and Sakachag, based on the Pasuk in Yeshaya, which tells us, Yaakov Asher Pada Es Avraham, that praise be to Yaakov who redeems Avraham. And all of the Meforshim at once ask the question, how is this temporally possible? We know that Yaakov comes after Avraham. So how could it be that Yaakov saves Avraham? They didn't even live together. And the secret is that the Mida of Yaakov is the Mida that saves the Mida of Avraham. Because Avraham is a Mida of Ahava. Avraham represents love. But what happens when love dies? What happens when I can't reach beyond myself? What happens when I'm stuck in the loss? I don't have that friendship anymore. I don't believe in that friendship anymore. I don't believe that I'm loved or that other person is loved. In that moment, what I need to encounter is the Mida of Yaakov, which is the Mida of Rachamim, compassion, empathy. When love falls away, when I can no longer find the reason to love the other, let me enter into the empathy and the sympathy over our shared humanity that all of us are not going to last forever, like the Chavraya felt, that we're all not going to last forever, so let us throw ourselves into that undying love in this moment, that is chabrus, that connectivity, as if right now is the last moment to be able to share with one another, to be able to say a word of Torah, to be able to smile, to be able to reach out to a friend and say, I love you, that I need you, that I appreciate you, that I get by with you, that I get by with a little help from my friends. And it's specifically in the place where Ahava dies that we need compassion and the shared sense of human 
experience human suffering, what it means to be in the world wandering upon the roads without any place to rest our heads. It's that place where the love of friends is redeemed by Rachamim. To end with a teaching that is almost impossible to believe if it were not written, Rabbi Nassan of Nimrov, who understood very deeply the necessity of friends, of his kashras, especially when his Rebbe, Rabbi Nachman, passed away. He understood that without friendship, without his chabras, we can't move forward. Like Rabbi Nachman says, Rak hit kabsu Right, just be strong and love one another, and you will be holy people. Love one another, be there for the other. Rabbi Nassan quotes the Pasuk. Hayoshevet Baganim Chaverim Makshivim. Those who sit in the gardens listening to one another, the Pasuk and Shir Hashirim. And Rabbi Nassim quotes an incredible Zohar that says, what does the word ganim mean? What does it mean, those who sit in the gardens? The language of ganim, the language of gardens, is also the language of genus, of things that are disgusting, of things that I want to push away, that I don't want to look at. And Rabbi Nassim's Lashon is, those friends who sit in the filth of the world, those friends who are willing to be there for one another like Yehuda and his friend who was there for him specifically after he fell from Tamar. That Chaver Tov who came to be mitchaber him to something stronger. And it's that need of friendship specifically in those dark places, those lonely roads at night in the northern skies of Eretz Yisrael where we fully understand Anan B'chavivusa Talia Milsa. That without love, there's nothing. Without connection, there's nothing. And Be'ezra Sashem, as we move forward into the next week when we talk about walking, in the Zohar. What does it mean to be walking on a road? What does it mean to be baderach? What does it mean to be outside without a destination? We'll understand that the only way to survive that space is with the hischabris of Anan B'chavivusa Talia Milsa Bezros Hashem. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.